time. And it is a blessing to those who hear that. Um, our words have the power to be a blessing, to, in, to encourage and even bring light to those who hear them. Our words reflect who Christ is and echo what he's doing in each of our lives. At the same time, our words can bring people down to discourage our listeners and can reflect the enemy and can even bring death to those who are listening. Now, we've all experienced those apples of gold moments, and we've also experienced words that don't really help. Now, I remember a few years ago, I went bowling with my youth group, and as we were bowling, I had a group of five guys there, and, you know, we take our turns bowling like you do, and it'd be my turn, and I'd get a strike or something like that. But these guys were kind of, they weren't really into bowling that much. As a matter of fact, one guy, his name is Todd, he would bowl a bowling ball, and I guess because it was a hardwood floor and he was very uh, enamored by that, every time he'd bowl, he would do, he would break into a to kind of a dance, kind of this break dance thing, and he'd spin around on this hardwood floor. And I would say something very encouraging, like, what a dork. He, and as I watched him spin around, every time he came back, it didn't matter if he bowled one or he got two pins, he would always spin, and he'd go. And I was sitting there at the edge of, uh, uh, of the seat there and wondering, how can I stop this thing? You know, because it's a little embarrassing and I didn't want him to do it anymore. So I just sat there and I thought and I said, oh, I know what we'll do. Let's dogpile him, right? That's a great idea, Bob. No, it wasn't. You know, because I sat there and I thought, um, this thing's going to drive me nuts, I think. But we sat there and I bowled. He, you know, a couple of people bowled. Then Todd bolt. And I've been waiting for this moment, y'all. Because I went around to everybody and I told him, let's dogpile him when he gets down. And so he gets down, he rolls, he comes around, and he does this breakdance thing. And I said those magic words, dogpile. And these guys knew exactly what I was saying. And so I was the first one to be on top of him. And what I didn't realize then, but I did later, is the bowling ball that he was using rested right here. So this next guy came, he jumped on him, and he jumped on him. It was about then that I remembered that we had Eddie with us. Now, Eddie weighed about 500 pounds, I, I'm just saying. And, uh, you know, and I thought, oh no, Eddie's not on yet. And so I got, uh, braced myself, I looked up, and Eddie had jumped far further than he should for a big guy. And he kind of hung there for a while. And I got a good look at him. And I thought to myself, this is really going to hurt. I was not disappointed. He came down, and his weight pushed me against that bowling ball, and I cracked three ribs. And I could not, all this air in South Dakota, I could not get any of it. And I got myself over to the ball return, and I kind of leaned on that, and I said, I was just trying to catch. And Eddie comes up to me, and he had a repentant face on him, and he could tell that he had hurt me. And he said to me, Bob, 
I'm really sorry. I forgot you were that old. (laughs) That wasn't right, y'all. That was not right. But words can do that. You know, we could have said anything about how sorry he was, what he was. But many times, words don't bring blessings but harm. And the harmful words, you know, I want to kind of look at that. Harmful words are reckless words. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Proverbs 12, 18. The imagery here is someone who's with swords who not even paying attention, just swinging his sword around regardless of who's there. And I can think, and you know, I'm thinking like a three-year-old, you give, you know, a sword to, and they're just a fling. And people kind of use that as their words, and it can hurt. Harmful words can be impulsive words. Have you ever been guilty of this? You just don't, you say stuff without thinking. I catch myself doing that at times since I had my strokes. It almost feels as if at times the filter is gone. I can hide behind this excuse, but the Word of God teaches us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, so words won't be so impulsive. And I think that's one of the things that uh, really bothers you about being a preacher. We use our words all the time. We use many words. You know, as a matter of fact, the next one is harmful, word, harmful words are too numerous of words. We use our words, and we spend the rest of the week trying to figure out what we said wrong. But when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever reframes his lips is prudent. That's in Proverbs 10. Harmful words have, been last, have lasting consequences. And Proverbs 16 says, A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. How do we become aware of how damaging our words can be? What are we looking for? And how are we going to get these right words out And that's really what we're going to look at is how do we use the right words at the right time? I want to ask God to come in and bless us, bless me as a speaker, bless you as you listen. Because I know that this is an area that most of us kind of mess up at times. There are those here that just kind of say whatever's on their mind. There are those of us that kind of just say things without thinking. There's some of us that use words just randomly. And I think what we want to do is I want my words, I don't think you'd want your words to reflect who Christ really is. So let's pray and let's ask him to bless us. Mighty God and Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this time that, I, that we can talk about our words. And your word teaches us that tongue is it's the hardest thing to control at all. But God, with you all things are possible. So God... In these next few minutes as we talk about this, I pray that your light will show. It'll show up in our voices and what we say and that we won't be so harmful in what we say, but what we say will be a blessing to those. And then, and as listeners, God, I just pray that you speak your Holy Spirit. And God, I just thank you for who you are. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So we can start by saying the right things at the right time by looking at these five important areas. And the first one, the right word at the right time gives us life. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue is the power of life and death. 
Those who love it will eat its fruit. My words may or not be encouraging, but God's words always are. God's words sets us free. They alone can give us life. <clears throat> when I was going through depression, and I did go through depression, I got a lot of advice. Well-meaning people said some really good things, such as snap out of it. Or it's all about your attitude of your heart, right? But none of that really did any good. None of it seemed to help me until I read in Romans 8 and someone shared it with me. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any change against us who the God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or, or sword as it is written for your sake? We face death all day long. We are creatures that are pretty weak. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? It was then I realized that I was not alone, that God wasn't mad at me, he hadn't given up on me, and that he loved me. In my counseling, I get to share God's love and how good he is. So my words reflect God's words, and then I see transformation. You know, those words in this passage I just read that we are more than conquerors, really resonated in my heart. Everything else didn't. I don't have to go through this alone anymore. God is with me, and I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Amen? And that's what we're saying. These are life-giving words that we read in the scriptures. Let's reflect those things. That is what, that is, that's why if you want to give words that really help transform a life, use God's words. Uh, in my counseling that I do, I work at Christian Life Ministries, I can give lots of advice, and it's good advice, y'all. I'll, I'll give it to you for nothing. But it's really good. But the thing people are looking for is what God's word provides. You understand? So when I sit there and I share with them the answers to whatever problem they're going to, that's why I use the scriptures, because it's life-giving. Second, the right words at the right time are words that bring grace. It's more than using nice words. Now, I love to encourage people by saying something nice to them, telling someone they're the greatest man in the world. Have I ever said that to you? 
or you're the coolest person in the world. I use hyperboles. Do you understand what I'm saying? But my heart is to encourage people that maybe, just maybe, they'll, they'll glean from it and have a better day. Because I firmly believe we need to leave people better than when we found them. Amen? And so I'll, I'll say things like that, and someone said, you know, I just heard you tell so-and-so he's the greatest man in the world. And I'll say to them, but with you, I mean it. <laughs> but our vocabulary isn't limited to that. Sometimes it's about giving God's grace. No words are more sweeter than saying to someone, I forgive you. We've all been in that position where we need forgiveness. We've all messed up, whether financially or morally. We need people around us who do more than judge us, but support us. And I know in a room like this, many of you don't feel worthy. We need people to come alongside of us and remind us that God's grace is sufficient for you. Not empty words, but God's promises. In Colossians 4, 6, it says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you may know how you ought to answer each person. And I think if you look at each one as an opportunity to share in the hope and the grace that you have, it will make a big difference in the lives of those. Number three, the right words at the right time may be words of warning. If a person is struggling in a sin that's going to ruin him and his family, the most gracious thing you can do for him is to tell him or her she doesn't need words that, that, that need, she, what she doesn't need is words, she needs the truth. When my kids were riding a bike and just learning, they would go out into the street or they would head for the street and my warning to them wasn't, hey, nice bike. Hey, that's good form you got there. No, I'd tell him, I'd go, you're going to die if you go out there. Don't do that. And see, I would come, I think the warning became more important than the gracious, kind words. To warn somebody that if you continue on this fast, it will be trouble. It may even destroy them. We don't always have the right words for that situation. You know, when my kids were little, my wife was at home, and I'd gone to sleep, I'd gone to bed, and I had this dream. And I dreamed that uh, I looked out the backside of our house, and right next to our house was these apartment complexes, and, in, and there was a fence that divided us, a wooden fence, and I was dreaming all this, and you know, and I noticed that there was a great big hole in that, in the fence. And I saw this person, streak across there. I go, oh no. And I started to, wanted to protect my family, wanted to protect my kids, and I wanted to just to be there, to be the man that I should be, you know. And, and so I screamed out. What I meant to scream out was, hey, somebody's out there. You guys step back. It didn't come out that way. It came out as, hubba, hubba, hubba. Well, that didn't even sound right in my dream. So I tried it again. I wanted to warn them, you need to get in a safe area. So I said this, I couldn't make sense of my words. Even Sharon, 
my bride woke me up and said, are you okay? I said, yeah, why? Because you were saying, how about, you know, whatever the gibberish is. But to warn people isn't the easiest thing in the world to do, is it? Because you might lose a friend doing that. You might lose a brother or sister in Christ. But wouldn't you rather do that than to have them keep going down, their, down the path that they're going? Warnings. We, we, we see them all around, and I think we might be the only warning that God is going to use in people's life, right? So, what's the most gracious thing you can say to somebody? Well, it might be. Knock it off. If you keep doing this, it's going to destroy you. That isn't being mean. It would be mean to say, hey, you're the greatest man in the world. But to truly care about somebody enough to say, knock it off. But even this becomes tricky because I want your heart to be right as you're doing this. I, I think everything needs to be said out of love. And the only reason you're doing this is because you love that person, right? right? It's not easy. But I don't let my kids, when they were little, get away with everything. My wife said I did, but I didn't. But I disciplined them. I corrected them because I loved them, okay? Number four, the right words at the right time involve prayer. There are many times I don't know what to do or what to say, but God does. Nothing's wrong with not having all the right answers. As a matter of fact, it shows we're dependent upon God. And there was a time in our marriage that I, I was having some difficulties. And I was becoming full of anxiety, and I couldn't see past today. Let's face it, I was a big mess. That's the truth. And I remember asking Sharon to pray for me. I knew how to pray, but there's something very special when someone who prays for you, and some of you are going through life that's some of the most difficult things, and really what you need is good prayer, somebody that prays for you, somebody that goes to the throne of God on your behalf and lifts up whatever you're going through. I think this is especially important for husbands to do, to be able to take your wife's hands and to pray over them. I've not met a woman who doesn't long for that, who doesn't long for a husband who prays for them, but we want to be strong. We got all the answers, but the truth is we got no answers. And when I take my wife's hands, and I pray. She could be feeling overwhelmed. She could be stressed. She could be scared. But when I pray with her, she feels secure. About 10 years ago, this is about the time that I was melting down. About 10 years ago, we started to pray as a couple. We prayed with each other every night before we went to sleep. And that was a wide variety of things that were important to her and they were important to me. 
And we'd pray for our kids. We'd pray for uh, our grandkids. We'd pray that God would just deliver us financially from where we're at. And it didn't matter how, but I knew that I was being a loving husband at that time because I didn't have the answers. But God does. Do you guys get that? And I know it's awkward. Maybe you've never done this. To grab your wife's hand and say, well, let's pray. The only thing you've ever prayed for is dinner. You know, that's a good start. Did you ever think your wife might need that? I know when we're praying, this is really bad, and I'll confess it. There are times when she'll start to pray and I'll fall asleep. And she says, you went to sleep, didn't you? Of course I answered honestly and said, no. <laughs> How does she know? One time, it was so bad. I prayed when I, I fell asleep when I was praying. So <laughs> that's pretty bad. So you might want to pick a different time than, than bedtime, but just find a time to pray. The Lord is near to all of us who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Colossians 4.2, 4, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Fifth, the right words at the right time involves love. The scripture teaches us that we can do all sorts of things, but without love to God, it's like a, Noisy symbol. And if you don't know what the noisy symbol is, you should come to youth group sometimes. You know, when we had a set of drums up there, I'd always have one or two kids that would get on the drums and just smack them, man. Boom, boom. That was annoying. And it's hard for me to fathom that I could be praying or doing anything or I could be loving or trying to love or not having love and it'd be annoying as that symbol was to him. But that's what he says. We need to love one another, to watch out of each other. This is a family unit. I consider you guys more my family than my own family. Well, not my daughter. She's here. <laughs> How you doing in that area? How you doing? Apples of gold is what our words can be. They can be so sweet and bring healing or they can be destructive. And I think you're like me would want to use words to lift up, to build up, to encourage someone to go forward. As a matter of fact, that's what they say church is all about, to encourage one another, right? So let's start doing that. You know, if you get this urge and you think, well, I really should say you did a good job or say thank you, don't wait. Just, if you got to write a note, write a note. If you got to if you got to say it in person, give them a call. Do whatever you can, but you owe an obligation to that person to say what you need to say. It's when we hold back. You say, well, I should say that, but I'll do it later, right? We never do. We never do. So I'm going to encourage you as you go out today to think of someone that you can encourage, that you can use words like apples of gold lined with silver. It's so beautiful. And... You have that power within you. Let's pray. Mighty God and Father,
I really do thank you. And I pray that you will be with us in all that we do and all that we say. And God, I just pray that you'll help us with our words. Say the tongue's the hardest thing to control. I, I, I just want some control on it to be a blessing. So God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. And I just pray that you bless these people. We pray in your precious name. Amen.